Welcome to Backroom Talk. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Backroom Talk. For these first few minutes, it is just me, Georgia, here. And the reason for that is we had a little bit of an audio issue. So the episode Carl and I recorded last week on concurrent training, uh, we had a little bit of an audio corruption. So the first introduction got cut off. I'm going to do my best to fill in the gaps, lay some groundwork with some definitions, and then you're going to jump into the conversation that Carl and I had about concurrent training and the science and the principles behind improving multiple energy systems. So let's start there. What what actually is concurrent training before we get into the conversation? When we discuss concurrent training, we are talking about a program design that improves our multiple energy systems. And the reason we had this conversation is because we just released a free course a couple of weeks ago. You may or may not have seen it on organizing daily training at home and in the gym, which discussed daily concurrent training principles. If you haven't downloaded that one already or signed up for that course and gone through it, it's a quickie. It takes like 20, 30 minutes to go through, taught by yours truly. I will link it in the description so you can go and enjoy that after because we're not rehashing the daily considerations in uh, program design for concurrent training. We go a little bit deeper into the long term and uh, some of the shorter term, so, you know, mesocycle by mesocycle considerations that need to be in place to see improvements in multiple energy systems. Why is this something that's important for a coach to understand? Well, you are going to have people that come to you who want to see not just improvements in lean mass, but they also want to feel fit up. They want to improve their aerobics or they want to, you know, push capacity on their row, but they also want to get stronger at the same time. And concurrent training is how we can actually see improvements in multiple physical characteristics and minimizing interference between, you know, those characteristics and different types of training that can happen. Because if we're not careful, and if we don't design training in a thoughtful way, then there are certain expressions, you know, of our anaerobic energy system or of aerobics that can end up interfering with our ability to express strength, for an example. So you can see some minimization of results that can happen because it wasn't done in a thoughtful way. I do think an important caveat to this topic is that while you can see in the short term some like almost maximization of energy systems and like for two weeks, we can really push the envelope and see some great gains in both strength and capacity. What studies have shown time and time again and what the reality is, is that you cannot maximize all energy systems at the same time. In fitness, you can't be the best at everything. Uh, You can be pretty good. You can be well-rounded in multiple arenas, but there are always trade-offs when it comes to pushing the envelope in progression in one certain arena. You are eventually going to see drawbacks from that. So in this conversation, we really need to come back to the point time and time again that you can't maximize all energy systems at the same time for years and years and expect to see progress in all areas. Eventually something has got to give. So we're talking about improvement. We are not talking about long-term maximization. Now in the guide that, or the course, I should say, the free course that we put out, like I said, we discussed some daily ordering options, 
But we don't just think about that when we think about concurrent training. We also have to consider longer term considerations. So thinking about macro cycles, what do we want to achieve over, for example, a training year? What is the outcome that we're looking for a year from now? Uh, do we want that person to improve their 1K row time trial as well as putting 50 pounds on their back squat? So that'd be an example of a concurrent training goal that you might set in the long term that you're working towards. Then we think about shorter term considerations. So from cycle to cycle, uh, as we get into like laying out those months uh, and meso cycles, what are we focusing on in each, in each cycle? And is there certain times of the year that we're pushing the envelope in one arena versus the other? How long can we see linear progression in multiple areas at the same time? Is there an appropriate time and place for an undulating method for someone that is working on concurrent training uh, improvements? So we got to think about the shorter term. And then we also need to think about what does that like weekly split or that daily plan look like from Monday through Sunday? What are we doing on each day to see improvements in energy systems training? And the reality is that while you can train all three energy systems in one day, and that is something that I go over in the free course that we put out, an ideal situation, if we were to think about concurrent training, would actually be to separate it out and have, you know, day one focused on resistance, day two focused on endurance and go back and forth, back and forth like that. So it is important to recognize that ideal situation, that might be the case. However, at the same time, people have limited schedules and resources and they may only have three days a week to train. So in those cases, the principles that I discussed in that class can be really useful for organizing in you know, a day-to-day -day session what concurrent training needs to look like for someone that's trying to hit on multiple characteristics in one day. So we're going to dive into the research and uh, really talk about what does it mean to improve resistance uh, and see changes in hypertrophy and strength, as well as conditioning and aerobics. So I'll let Carl and I get into that. As always, little call out to please like and subscribe. Uh, we do definitely appreciate that. Leave us a review on audio podcasts. We really, really appreciate when you take the time out to do that. And uh, I'll see you on the other side of the conversation, guys. Enjoy. It's interesting because we think about aerobics so often. I say we. I think just broadly people think about aerobics. I think about aerobics well, very often. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. I lay in bed at night. I'm thinking about intervals on the bike. Yeah, yeah. I get excited. Yeah. When I wake up and I'm like, oh, got some intervals. I'm like, yes. really peppy. Anyway, they are sorry. good days. They yeah, are yeah. good days. But no, I think we think about challenging breathing. We think about challenging the aerobic system. We're not thinking about like what is happening in terms of mechanical fatigue from what is inside of aerobic work, especially on cyclical implements, right? Mm -hmm. Like the bicurg, we're like, they're breathing. It's challenging their breathing. But man, that's tough on your quads, like you said, going into a lower body day. So thinking not just in terms of this is resistance, this is aerobic, but what are the patterns and the contractions? inside of those is going to help coaches uh, clear that up and make sure they understand how those two things could interfere. Yeah. I know I just mentioned my Monday, but I actually switched up what I was doing on Mondays going into this cycle because of that, because I know I'm staying on the biker for probably another 24 weeks. Um, and I'm like, and I was doing lowers on, on Monday and on Tuesday, I, I found myself me messing with the damper and I'm like, Ooh, maybe a three today because my legs feel a little, uh, feel a wobbly still. And it takes a little bit of time. So, um, yeah, changing the upper and then hitting the bike erg on, on Tuesday, 
my legs just felt a lot fresher and a lot better. So um, there's always refinement, um, individualized refinement that can occur day over day if you're not taking a day off after every training day. I just want to backtrack for a second there and point out that you said 24 weeks on that bike erg. Uh, important reminder that it's okay to do the same thing or variations of the same thing. Stick on that same cyclical implement for a long period of time. I'm at 12 weeks. Oh, I was at 12 weeks um, on on Sunday. So uh, it's a 36-week progression. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's fun. It, it is. But mm-hmm. I think uh, I don't think people think it's fun, which is a shame. I love it. It's a challenge. If you saw my Instagram post yesterday. I hit a, I hit a, I threw a perfect, I threw a perfect game yesterday. So that just felt really good. And then Lucy tried to like say something like, oh, but you know, it said 0.1 second way to the left. And I'm like, just worry about the pace per and worry about the RPM. Don't worry about that. That was a perfect game. Stop bringing Carl down. Yeah, that was a perfect game, girl. (laughs) (laughs) No. um, So considering the contractions, the patterns that go inside of work is important. It's okay to do the same thing for a long period of time. Where else were we going with that? And recovery. Recovery mm-hmm. is individualized. So I think when thinking about laying out that like daily plan from day to day, it's important to consider how is this one person going to feel going into the next session and you're really not going to know until, you know, through trial and error and through communication with that person, whether they noticed, you know, they weren't able to get on the rower the next day because of how their quads were feeling. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Do you want to jump into uh, some research? Let's do it. So uh, what's the first study? Um, This one was from, so this was actually the newer one. So this is, uh, this was published in 2020, I believe. Um, end of 2020. Yep. Um, And this is Timmins et al. And this one looked at, um, essentially how strength and hypertrophy, right? Strength and hypertrophy yep. and endurance, honestly, um, were affected by splitting, um, subjects into three different groups. And it was a 12 week study and the groups that they split them into were, um, only resistance, only endurance and a concurrent training group. And they just looked at hypertrophy and they looked at strength gains in all three of those groups. So that was it. So they were just looking at uh, what the hell was going on under the hood. And it's important to to point out that um, what they looked at for hypertrophy and strength was uh, the, obviously with hypertrophy, they were looking at um, the vastus lateralis and the biceps femoris size, total size there. And then for strength, they had the bench, leg press, and leg extension, 1RM. so yeah, that's what they were looking at across all three. And then for the endurance, um, what they were doing, what the concurrent training group and the um, endurance group was doing for endurance were um, cyclical um, stationary bike intervals across all 12 weeks. Yeah, cool. What did, uh, what did they find? Um, they found some, some good stuff. I think uh, with, with all of these studies, it's they're finding very similar things, but I think the nuanced thing about it, it's like, what are they actually doing over the X amount of weeks and who are the participants? So the participants here, um, was it 30? I think they had 36, 32, 32 healthy males, 32 healthy males. Um, so I could have been, I could have been one of those participants. I think you're a healthy male. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I th- but I think the interesting thing across these studies, and there's a lot of concurrent training studies that have been done over the past 20 years 
is what are those conditions? What are they doing for resistance? What are they testing? How are they testing? Uh, like what limbs are they testing in terms of, uh, you know, hypertrophy size and, and, and all of that? And what are they doing in their endurance training? And I like the stationary bike piece because it's very indicative of just what endurance training is. There's a lot of similarities between jogging and biking there's a lot of similarities between rowing and biking just because they're so lower body dominant so you don't see a lot of true um, endurance modalities that aren't lower body dominant they pretty much all are and when you get away from that now you're looking at something that's not endurance so um, even when we look at like the skier that we just talked about like i don't look at the skier as like this ultimate enduring aerobic machine right? It's very challenging to make that machine aerobic. So I think a number of people get there, but it's a very small percentage of people that can actually make that, uh, what they can make a stationary bike. Yeah. I mean, Um, we we always want to think about what are the practical applications of this study that we're looking at, right? And for most people, the endurance work or the conditioning they're doing is, as you said, lower body dominant. Yeah. So just, it, it applies to more people. Yep. So, um, there were three or four specific noticing. So the resistance and concurrent uh, groups experienced similar hypertrophy. So again, that was looking at the vastus lateralis and the biceps femoris uh, thickness in those muscles. And they also experienced similar strength gains. So the bench, the, le- the leg press and the knee extension one rep max. So that was the resistance and the concurrent training group. So Actually, let's lay out the things and let's talk about like our interpretation of those yeah. things. Um, second point, concurrent training group experienced um, a little bit of a regression between weeks six and eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so between six six and eight and, and 12. Yep. So it came sometime in that window. So six and eight and 12. Um, so this tells us that intensity cannot exist over a long period of time. Because what they were doing was relatively intense in both groups. Which ties in pretty nicely to what you said starting this conversation. We can think about maximizing things over a two-week period. But when we start to stretch things out into the longer term, that's when it becomes impossible. Yeah, yeah. It's like adaptation principles, right? Um, how, how much can we actually give before our body's like, hey, <laughs> take it easy, man. Had enough. Yeah, bad enough. Um, <laughs> And then there's a couple other things. So endurance training, the endurance training group, uh, they actually saw a decrease <laughs> in everything except for knee extension one rep max. Um, that number actually increased from uh, from week zero. Kind of makes sense given that they were on the uh, stationary bike. Yeah. And uh, something that uh, was also mentioned was the um, hamstring length was decreased in the concurrent and the endurance training group um but that was that that's not because they were doing endurance work it was the type of endurance work that they were doing so we know that cyclists have shorter hamstring length um so you know if you're a a a football player a soccer player i know in some places that's the same thing um if you're a football player soccer player um hockey player like it, it it might not be a great idea to uh cycle 
accumulate a bunch of hours per week cycling uh, because that's going to uh, decrease the length of that hamstring, which is going to lead to what? Hamstring tears when they now get on the field or on the ice and they're they're actually moving um, or just strains in the hamstring. So what you're doing for those uh, modalities is, is important as well. Yeah, and that is significant for those sports because they need to be able to accelerate and stop and start, and that's where you see prevalence of hamstring tears and strains. Yeah, yeah, usually it's uh, overstriding, like when you're, you know, with like a sprinter or a football player, it usually happens at like the, you know, 10, 15, 20 meter mark when you start to hit maximum speed. And those, you're feeling really good and that leg extends and you just feel that little, uh, that little thing. Um, I'm doing a turning thing for people that are listening and, uh, you know what it is. I've, uh, torn my hamstring before. Not, not cool. Yikes. Yikes. Not saying flat out, you know, you shouldn't be doing cycling and, and resistance at the same time though, right? Um, it's just considering what. Oh that yeah, yeah. Then need to like, be able to go and like do sport, after. sport yes. specific. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you're, you're you're probably not going to tear your hamstring squatting. You could, right? You could, if you if you have uh, if if your range of motion is already crap and uh, or you just have very uh, short um, tendons and muscles. Yeah, I mean that's that's a consideration. But I wouldn't say uh, don't do resistance training and cycling just because it, it decreases hamstring size or yeah. length. Yeah. Okay. So those are the main the main takeaways and the main things that were kind of organized uh, inside of the study there. How, how do those connect to the principles we discussed earlier? Yeah, I think um, the big thing that stood out to me, it's like you can get better in everything. Like you can increase everything if you do it the right way. Um, look at how they organize the training schedule though, right? Like they didn't do things back to back. Right. There was an adequate amount of recovery, blah, blah, blah. The thing that we could look at in terms of the endurance program and the resistance program, it was all linear. Right. So what it tells us is that you can't follow this linear program forever. Right. You're going to eventually get to a spot where you're going to have to shift it up. You're going to have to maybe back it up a little bit um, and change the program. So that's where the the six to eight weeks to 12 weeks. Um, that sounds so weird. I'm just going to say seven to 12 weeks, Agreed. six to eight to 12 sounds that people are like, what the hell do you mean by that? So the seven to 12 weeks where people started to see plateaus and, and actual decreases in you know, what they were putting out endurance wise, um, and, uh, hypertrophy and strength gains. Um, that's probably just telling you those people are fatigued, right? So I don't think it's the concurrent training uh, specifically because those people could have just been doing, um, resistance training and they could have also seen that plateau or that decrease. And we know that, right. It's like, that's why we say six, eight, for some people, you can push it out to 12 weeks, but, um, yeah, they, they just need to shift it up. Right. So they may have just extended that a little bit too long. So, um, yeah, I mean, my big takeaway was, it was just confirmation right it's like yeah you can get better at multiple things if you think about it smartly yeah and i mean it it may be like you said just extending out pushing the envelope for too long a period of time and those people may just needed a little strategic deload in there somewhere to pick it back up it may be that undulating periodization would be more appropriate for trying to improve those things together over the long term is that fair to say um instead of pushing linear forever Oh, so you're just saying like dosing it. Yeah. So like, okay, I want to continually do this thing. Yeah. 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 That could be an option for people, um, more advanced people, obviously. Right. But, 
Um, yeah, linear periodization. Um, I mean, we've had a lot of discussions on periodization, so we won't go into it right now. But yeah, linear periodization is just safe, right? It's 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 really safe. But you know, as you get to those higher training ages, it's like you may have to try different things because you know there's not enough exercises and tempos and rep schemes to actually linearly periodize for the rest of of your life. If it's like maximization is is what you're looking for. So yeah, those higher training age people. Um, an undulating model could be an interesting uh, concept to look at. So an undulating concurrent training model would be an interesting thing to look at. It's a lot of big words right there. Yeah. Yes, it is. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of syllables. <laughs> you sound really smart when you say it. Let's, uh, let's talk about some common goals and I guess how this research and how other principles and research that have been done connect to those. So first up, it's like I want to get strong, but I also want to improve my conditioning. I want to get fitter too. What Gosh. do we need to think about? Gosh, overall, you know, there's, 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 there's models, right? There's models. I don't, I don't know if you remember. Um, I think he's still rolling, but the, the whole hybrid thing. Um, it, I forgot his name. He wrote a book. Um, he's from the Carolinas. Uh, I'm not sure. I forgot his name. But anyway, um, you know, he has some interesting things to say about like, hey, we can get stronger and more enduring over a long period of time if we do it right. And it's like, although I believe that, it's not the case for most people. It's just not because we have to look at genetic makeup, right? We have to look at what people are actually capable of doing. For me, Georgia, it's gonna be easier for me to increase my squat or get to an absolute squat number than it would be for you. You know what I mean? Because of, you know, my makeup and my, my, He's wearing a little powder and a little uh, a little mascara today. No, I just I, I, I'm trying not to say like I'm a better squatter than you, but you're more powerful, explosive type two, right? Um, or are you talking about I'm, my shitty squat mechanics? I'm, Which one were you taking a dig at? Well, I'm type A, but muscle fiber, yeah, definitely type two. Did you get that? I did. Okay, cool. I'm also type A. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, just like let's just say like mechanically, right? It's easier for me to get there. Fair. Um, so. We have to look at that, right? Like that's a consideration that we have to think about when we think about individualization. So if we had the same coach and they were like, okay, I want to increase Georgia's squat and I also want to increase Carl's squat, our programs will actually look different. Our programs will actually look different. Our squat sessions could look very similar, but what we're doing around those squat sessions will look very different. Like you should have an A and B on your squats sessions and that's it. And maybe the next day you're taking it easy. You know what I mean? Or you're just doing some upper body stuff um, because they need to really hyper-focus on the things that you need to, you know, clean up and and uh, and all of that and, and what it takes for you to be able to go in and squat heavy on a daily basis. So when we look at someone that wants to get stronger and they also want to increase capacity at the same time, um, it's just going to change person to person, but we have to have something to go back to. And, and those, that thing is the, the principles, right? Like we have to look at the principles and the principles tell us maybe you shouldn't try to do both of those things at the same time, right? If you want to get stronger, that needs to be the, the goal, right? That's the goal. You can still do some endurance stuff, implement the principles inside of like, what, what can I do in endurance training that's not going to interfere with me getting stronger? So what is that not going to be? It's not going to be squat and then 15-minute AMRAP after, right? Can someone squat, do a 15-minute AMRAP, and get stronger over six weeks? Yes, of course. Are they going to get as strong as they possibly can? Absolutely not. I don't care. I, would, I will argue that until I die, right? Um, 
it's just it's it's just not the case. We just have to look at the principles. So if you're trying to get stronger, do that. And it's going to be the same for everything else. If it's like, hey, you want to get bigger, it's like if you want to get bigger, do that. Doing endurance training isn't going to directly decrease muscle size or hypertrophy if you do it properly. But what does it do? It takes away from time that you could be spending training to create more tension in the muscle to increase muscle size and hypertrophy. So there's always a give and take. So for any one of these goals, we have to look at what is the main goal? What is the main goal? Because if the goal is just like, hey, I want to slightly improve everything forever, right? Now it's like, go watch the course that you put together. And it's like, hey, follow those principles to a T. But if it's, I'm a power lifter and I need to squat 800, squat, man. Yeah, I mean, when when you start to add other elements into the design on top of the thing that is the main priority, you're always going to have to band-aid on top of that in some way to make up for it. I.e., I want to get as jacked as possible, but I also want to work on my endurance. What is the energy expenditure that's coming from that endurance training? How many extra calories do we need to put in on the nutrition side? And what do we have to consider again in terms of, I did my bike erg intervals on Monday and now I want to squat on Tuesday, but I can't actually you know, generate the tension I want to because my mm-hmm. quads are so fatigued. There's always going to be that kind of uh, like whack-a-mole. Do you remember that yeah, game? Like I that, do, that I element do, yeah. Where it's that's like, a good, yeah, that's a good visualization yeah, of you, that. Yeah, you, one thing pops up and you address that, but then another issue pops up and you have mm-hmm. to address that. And that's okay. Like it's not necessarily wrong so long as you're prepared to consider all of the variables. But we can't just consider what's going on in the program. We then have to think about nutrition and lifestyle. And with with the squat example you gave before, like just how challenging is it for this person to get into these positions? And yep. how is that going to hamper recovery from person to person? And that connects a little bit nicely to that conversation we had with Michael Ban the other week. Too. Yeah. 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 I mean, broken record, right? But it's like intentions really do matter, right? So someone might think that they want to get stronger, but you really dig into that stuff and they're just like, man, I just want to be really consistent in exercise and just enjoy what I'm doing on a daily basis. And if they say that the way that you design their training program is going to be so much different than I want to focus on getting a 500 pound back squat. It's just going to be different, right? Like when you sit in consultation with that person and they're like, you know, gosh, my, my, my back squat has only increased by two and a half percent over the past 12 months. It's like high five. That's awesome because we're doing a lot of other things. So did your, uh, you know, 5,000 meter row, right? Like you were able to go out and jog for 20 minutes. Now you can do 65 minutes. Now it's like high five. We're improving everything really slowly, but we're improving it. Are you having a good time? They're like, yeah, I'm actually having fun training. It's like, awesome. Like we're, we're meeting your goal, right? So the intention thing really, really does matter. It's like, why are you doing it? Yeah. It's, uh, it applies to all aspects of life, right? You can't be a hundred percent in on everything at all times. Like Mm -hmm. there's got to be some give and take from different areas of your life. And Yeah. yeah, I think that's just a great opportunity of how in the gym, extends out to outside of it and teaches us, you know, these lessons that, that we need to remember and carry with us. Yeah. Yeah, because if George is like, hey, I want to move every day, it's like, all right, if that's the goal, it's to move every day, that, that program is going to look a very specific way, you know, when you're like, hey, you know, C wasn't that tough today. It's like, yeah, because we're going to do something again tomorrow, right? The goal is to move every day. And you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, I get that. Um, you know, we're not putting you in the in the shitter every workout and, you know, having to take tomorrow off and then doing again the next day and then taking the next day off and then doing again. And then we get to a point where we're just like, my gosh, everything is, uh, 
feeling really good in the gym in terms of, or looking really good in terms of output and numbers, but I just feel like crap. My energy isn't good and all of that. If that's the goal, because you're competing, you know, in a month, that's cool. It's like, we're super aligned on it. It's like, Hey, there's an end to this, right? There's a means to an end. We're going to get there and then we're going to make you, we're going to get you back to feeling good. But if there's no means to an end and someone just feels like crap, it, it feels like if, if, to them, they're going to feel like crap forever. Right. So, um, yeah, the intentions thing really, really matters. I think it does. I mean, let's take, for example, the goal of, uh, I come to you and I tell you that I want to run a marathon a year from now. Right. We've obviously got to do some running and, and improve capacity and endurance is going to be a big focus. But just like you began the conversation saying, let's say I said it was a BJ, BJJ tournament a year out, like beginning of the year, we're going to be looking at weaknesses. There may be some resistance training that's you know going on to shore up some injuries and, and areas and problems. But throughout that year, training is going to go towards the end goal, which is running that marathon. Let's say that person at the end of the year just wants to have had great experiences in fitness and feel good and look good and have great energy. Do we need to be sitting down and laying out training following, you know, short-term, longer-term concurrent training principles? Um, sorry, what, what's their – so their goal is to run a marathon. Their no, goal. their goal is just to feel good. Look oh, good, sorry, healthy. sorry. Compared to the person that wants oh, to run a marathon. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Like we got to be, fo- we got to apply yeah, yeah. concurrent training principles yes, yes, to yes, yes, marathon yes. runner. Yep. But for our healthy person, right? I it's just, just want to feel great. Yeah. Sorry, I lost you. I was like, <laughs> I thought you were saying the person wanted to run a marathon and then they realize, and I'm like, but what do they want to do? It's uh, a really long story about no. my confusing goals. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, it matters, right? Like the marathon, you're going to look at them and you're going to be like, okay, what are we, what is the intention of resistance training? It's like, we want to have more robust tendons, ligaments, and joints because we want to not get injured because we're putting a lot of running volume on them. What are we doing? We're probably not doing a bunch of bilateral stuff in resistance training Monday, Wednesday, Friday because they're running Thursday. You know what I'm saying? So we're really looking at that stuff and we're like coming up with this fairly nuanced plan of like getting them to that point. So we know the intentions of their endurance training, get them ready for a marathon. We know the intention of their resistance training. The robustness of ten- te- uh, the robustness of tendons, ligaments, joints. Maybe they have some imbalances you want to square away. Um, so you're 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 solid. But someone that's uh, that's just like, hey, I just want to look good and feel good. But I also want to do you know things that I enjoy and that I'm capable of. It's like, yeah, you're not looking four years out and you're like, ah, we need to do this, this, and this, and gain pain and sustain. You're just like blending that stuff and you're, you know, having conversations with them and you're making sure you're on the same page and they're still enjoying everything and you're still giving them something, um, in an exercise that they not only enjoy, but that's actually making them better. Right. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, no matter what, we always have to look at progression. We can't just say, okay, uh, you're, you're a general population person. We don't want to get better. I think everyone wants to get better. And as coaches, we should want everyone to get better. It's just what the better, the definition of better is just going to be different for each one of those people. Yeah. And we're not using like one energy system, one kind of energy system training to support the other. We're making sure that they complement each other mm-hmm. for that person who just wants to be well-rounded. Yeah. Uh, there's obviously considerations that go into the design and making sure that patterns are being applied in a smart way, but it's just not quite as nuanced as if we're using resistance training or gain to support going out and running. Yeah. Except by uh, the results of the study, you're testing a one rep max knee extension and you're doing a bunch of bike erging or stationary biking and you retest that and you could tell your client like, Hey, I knew what I was doing there. 
just trying to increase that one run rep max <laughs> knee extension. I use that all the time. It's <laughs> my favorite fitness monitoring exercise. <laughs> Emma, we've been doing a lot of bike erging, so we need to test that uh, knee extension. There we go. We should con- we should uh, do our own concurrent stu- I know, concurrent right? training studies here. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, it could be pretty fun. It's a very good idea. Hmm, there we go. All right. Anything uh, to wrap it up? No, I think that's good. All right, guys. Well, as always, uh, please make sure you like, subscribe, and leave us a review. And we will throw all the links to everything we referenced today in the description. So go ahead, click around, have some fun, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you.